Hello and welcome to Is Made as a Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Omar Lopez, and I'm joined with someone who's a wretched hag. Oops, I mean lovely lady. Josh Hemo. It depends on the day. It, it really does. <laughs> yeah. What side of the bed he rolls out on. Honestly. <laughs> uh, this is our podcast where we watch a SpongeBob episode and discuss little life lessons we learn from our spongy friend. This is actually the end of our season five. Woo! It's crazy. Uh, before we end season five, like every week, we have some donation links for all of you wonderful folks to throw some money at. Um, Josh, is yours like a serious one or a fun one? <laughs> all donations are serious, Omar. Uh, now, this one's kind of serious, I guess. Is it, is it light or heavy? I it's say. light-ish. Okay. Then uh, you can go first. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the one I got this week is... Um, the Bowery mission. Uh, so basically, uh, there's specifically things right now, and the reason I found them was because they are uh, running like a campaign for providing Easter uh, dinner and food for homeless people. And that's mainly their goal throughout the year is just providing um, homeless um, people in New York, specifically um, places to eat, clean up, stuff like that. So they're a good... Uh, organization for the um, homeless in new york awesome yep. that, that is kind of light it's yeah. like easter vibes and feeding people yeah, yeah. i'm afraid of <laughs> what you got <laughs> no mine, mine's like more like more like uh it's less serious okay okay like cool. Cool, it's cool, serious cool. like on a societal level yeah but not like people need to eat or they'll it's like, not like die, dying children know? yeah exactly cool so uh <laughs> mine's a gofundme for a Atlanta-based, all uh, black-owned, like um, collective of artists, organizers, punks, and they even have it on here, Blurds, which I'm assuming is black nerds, to fund the first black-owned rock network studio. Nice, that's really so, cool. Yeah. yeah, it's just people in Atlanta who are trying to get enough money to own a record label, kind of, and to help black alt youth, you know, make some cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I saw it a while back, and I figured it was a good, nice little light way yeah. to deal with it. And then hopefully in the future, people have listened to this, and it already exists, and they can go buy their music from They got them. some fire records out there. <laughs> yeah. All right, so to finish this off, we have Season 5, Episode 20, Band in Bikini Bottom, and Stanley S. Squarepants. Act 1, Band in Bikini Bottom. So... In this act, it's a good day at the Krusty Krab, SpongeBob behind the grill, slinging some patties, singing and dancing, when a bus full of old conservative fish stop by to eat some food. And it doesn't take long until SpongeBob gets overly excited, has a whole sing-song, and offends the leader of this group called Gretel Gristlepuss. What a name. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, who shuts down the Krusty Krab basically because she's against anything that's fun and delicious. And her husband is also a fucking cop. So Mr. Krabs ends up making a secret speakeasy type crusty crab. And Plankton finds out, snitches on him. And in the whole raid, police raid that they have on this speakeasy crusty crab, uh, Gristlepuss and her husband um, end up eating a Krabby Patties. And she changes her mind and 
of course, loves Krabby Patties like the rest of everyone in Bikini Bottom. So, to start things off, I want to ask you, do you think this is a metaphor for weed? Hmm. I didn't think about it that way. I mean, I guess my immediate thought with the speakeasy was booze, but uh, I could see it being a weed thing, too. I think any, yeah. anything, any kind of, like, thing that is viewed as, like, negative, I guess, could be right. Because we typically say it's, like, fun and delicious, and, you know, like, anything fun, you could say weed, booze, like that, are all things that a conservative person like Mrs. Grizzlepuss would not approve of, right? I guess the way that I lean onto it is, like, I very much have a negative connotation with alcohol. Like, you drink alcohol, and it, you, like, people die, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, if you smoke weed, nothing bad happens. And that's how I feel about, like, relatively, like, yeah. no one's, no one, yeah, no I don't know no if there are no any we- yeah. weed-related, like, driving while intoxicated situations. I don't know if we've seen it enough, uh, but it's definitely not, like, a whole Mothers Against Drunk Driving yeah. situation. Um, so when I see a Krabby Patty, I think of it like that. It's more like I'm enjoying something that is bad for me if not in moderation, Yeah, you know, but it won't really kill you. Except for when your thighs blow up. Yeah. <laughs> but I like the way this episode starts out. He just like freaking inhales like this aroma of Patty. And maybe that's where it got me on the weed thinking. Where I was like, he's just like, oh, yeah. Like that good <laughs> skunky weed. Puffing that's what they, the good stuff. That's what they say, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what they say. All I don't cool smoke kids. weed. So. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, it is kind of, I liked, like you said, it opened up again with him. But it, it felt different. Um, with him being at the grill this time because he did have like two spatulas he has this whole song and dance thing that he goes into and it it was just very goofy spongebob was just very goofy in this episode in a way that i don't think i've seen him very much this season you know i yeah. think we've seen a lot of weird darker sides of the characters this season but this one this whole episode he was just like very just out there and goofy singing and dancing and everything yeah this one this episode also had a really good vibe like it's just a nice silly episode to be silly. Like I like the idea of uh, just a good old fashioned villain. That's just like, I don't like things cause they're fun. Yeah. It's, it's so unrealistic, but it's like a nice Mr. Scrooge deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. I also like the way he like, uh, there's like a lot of moments in this show and this act that I think would go really great. Like if there was death metal music on, <laughs> cause like there's a the part where he like, inflates himself where he's about to start yelling and i just like imagine like a breakdown happening yeah and then, like, getting ready for that big <gasps> scream yeah like everyone like screams and then <laughs> same thing the yeah yeah the same thing happens when he like opens up right when uh gristle puss arrives where it's just like <laughs> he just like <gasps> and they're all and watching like, a nice him. little build up yeah. like and then he starts singing it's nice yeah what did you think of the song itself like the lyrics it's like it's it's pretty whatever. It's not yeah. the best SpongeBob song. It I do like the whole like la 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 like yeah. annoying part. But I feel like again it's like a little half when the when the lyrics are like really neat, sweet to eat, treat that's neat. Like you know like it's, right, not it's like I think they're swell. I really yeah. love the way they smell. I'm just like all right, whatever. <laughs> it just feels very rhyming dictionary kind of singing. Yeah, I like the introduction of these old ladies. One, it's very, like, anchovies that they come, like, on the bus. But, like, two, it's, like, I thought they were, like, weird nuns at first because she was, like, my sisters. And then you find yeah. out they're a part of this organization that I have to read because I couldn't just memorize it. <laughs> but it's the it was United, a tough one. 
we are the united organization of fish against things that are fun and delicious or Tuufatadad for short. That was pretty good pronunciation of them. <laughs> Better than I would have done. So. I I watched it multiple times and I was like, I gotta get this right. And yeah. I definitely butchered it. But someone listen. Send us your audio yeah. clipping of you saying it right, and then I'll edit it in. <laughs> but I thought uh, they were pretty good. And I thought, you know, they're very reminiscent of um the ice cream lady from the SpongeBob movie. Yeah, they recycled I, that character design a yeah, little bit. Yeah, which I actually was like appreciated a little bit, you know. Yeah, I like I I don't know. I think that the ice cream lady is a very solid like old lady character design. Yeah. That's like kind of gross but also endearing and that's how I feel about this this woman uh until obviously she starts being a butthole. <laughs> and uh using her husband's power. It's actually a thing that happens a lot in uh you know, growing up a military brat. Yeah. A lot of um military spouses will try to use the rank of their Spouse. significant other who's yeah. in the military as like equal footing to be oh. like a pull because to pull, like to pull social rank. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's very much I mean, I just hated all of it. My one of my small lessons was like uh <laughs> cops abuse power is yeah. always and that like people who are friends with cops abuse power like if you if you I find it very hard to believe that there you if you come from a smaller town that there isn't someone who got away with something because they knew like, a cop oh, or a friend's family a friend yeah yeah exactly and like my parents have run into it like my family like I've played uh like football my entire life in terms of like the city league when you're like Pop Warner is what they call it or like younger kids and like those coaches literally serve the community as cops usually. So mm-hmm. like like a couple of cops have pulled over my parents and like they have to f- walk that fine line of like, do I give them a ticket or do I not give them or a they, ticket? They like just walk off with a warning because you're a friend. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know what my parents' experience it has, but I'm sure it's pretty much like, okay, well, you shouldn't be speeding then. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a yeah, that's that's a big thing with this episode, and I that when if, at first when the Krusty Krab got closed, I was very curious. I'm like, how does she have the power to do that? And you know, once they bring up like, oh, my husband's the chief of police, I thought you know, it was very interesting because again, we see it with SpongeBob sometimes. It's like kind of ahead of its time. Sometimes I mean, it's not that's not a ahead of its time thing, but now we see more yeah. and more like, yeah, cops like they're awful people and people who take advantage of their relationship with cops. You know, it's very applicable to like today still mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, I think sometimes it's getting better, but it's like you see that with like a lot of white privilege. I mean, what was it? Like during the summer, it was that like white lady who was trying to call the cops on some guy in Central Park, right? Because oh, yeah. she thought she had the uh, the authority, you know. There's always a white lady somewhere calling the cops. Yeah, like, for some for, bullshit. Yeah, for some bullshit. Yeah. Um, speaking of the cop, who do you think is the top or the bottom? Listen, Crystal Puss or the no, or the cop? He's the bottom. He's hundred percent bottom, and I was wondering that too. I was like, "Oh, what is this weird relationship <laughs> dynamic that like this old lady scored this like buff cop?" But it was at the end when <laughs> she's like all happy and whatever. He goes in for a hug, and she's like, "No, don't push your luck." I was like, "That's it. That's it right there." But here's my question: yeah. What if she's like that in public, but not in the bedroom? You know, she doesn't strike me as someone who who <laughs> comes off as nice in the bedroom either. I think she has all the power in that relationship. I can see that. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I want it to be, uh, I want her to let loose a little, but she probably doesn't. You know, maybe after that patty, you know, finding out exactly what fun and being reborn anew, maybe she'll be uh, willing to try some new experiences. That patty is an aphrodisiac. Yeah. 
Um, I'm glad that you talked about like her shutting down the the Krusty Krab because I really liked what Squidward says where he's like, <laughs> Mr. Krabs like, how can she shut down the Krusty Krab? And then Chris- Squidward's like, you called her a disgusting old prune and threatened her with a French fry straight. <laughs> Which, like, I like, this is the first, one of the few times where I've sided with Mr. Krabs throughout the entire series, where I'm yeah. like, yeah, f- the man, like, deal with it, I'm gonna have a secret crab I, I want, well, I want that scene, I want the scene with him threatening her with a french fry strainer, because, you know, I, I've i never seen that, I can honestly say that in all media that I've ever seen, using a french fry strainer as a weapon is not something I've seen. Yeah, and like if you had still the French fries in it with like the grease. Yeah, you just pull that right out of the greaser, and you you got yourself a hot weapon right there. (laughs) Uh, so they finally get to you know SpongeBob's house as this secret speakeasy situation. Secret Um, in quotations. (laughs) Yeah, how do you think Patrick did as a doorman? Uh, honestly, I I think that he did the best that I would expect Patrick to do. You know. Because I, I, I think that's the thing with some speakeasies, especially nowadays, like the doorman's just there as a front to make it feel like it's secret, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure anyone could have said anything, which they were doing, and he would have let them in. It was just, again, to make that feel of like, yeah, this is a secret like <laughs> hideout kind of thing, you know? I like how Mr. Krabs is like, you can't just barge into people's homes. when, <laughs> And then he's like, but this is he's having, he's having this like weird intimate moment with the cash register in someone else's home. <laughs> it's like you about to like someone and someone else's i was like this is weird this is some weird vibes um i had two small lessons from that whole situation was secret operations can't attract too much attention yeah which you kind of like alluded to and then also have an escape plan if you're gonna get raided you need to know like i forgot what cartoon there's a cartoon that like the scene comes to mind but not like the actual thing where it's like like people like won't come in and they just like look and then everything's all normal. It's like I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. And there's always like it's very generic scene. I feel like yeah. a lot of these where it's like where they're hiding somewhere and they're like, well, I'm looking around and I see a rat and then they look under the table and someone's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's I like, like that. even stuff like that. But it's the fact that like I love that it's like this whole secret situation, right? But they have this whole sign up that's like have your like secret. Uh, was it the new secret crusty crab or whatever? And I'm just like, you can't be that obvious with your secrets. And that was my like one of my biggest lessons for this. It's like any secret you have, if you're gonna play like, again, we've talked about it in the past. If you're gonna lie, you're gonna play up like that that card or whatever, making secrets, you gotta make sure that you have like a good way to keep that undercover. Yeah, if you're gonna keep secrets, you can't be like poking around other places that are gonna reveal your secret. You yeah. need to be very, very careful with it. If you want it to stay a secret. Yeah. And like there's that classic thing, like the best way to keep a secret between two people is to kill the other one, like <laughs> kind of situation. Like that's how the kind of mentality you kind of have to have if you don't want like your secret to get out. He's like, you gotta keep that to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Never yeah. talk to it about anyone ever. And like if it's a speakeasy thing, because I've been to speakeasies before and stuff like that, you it's just spreads by word of mouth, right? And you don't need yeah. a giant sign like Mr. Krabs had, you know. I mean, if people wanted a Krabby Patty, which obviously they did, it would have just spread, you know, wildly like that. I think there's like a weird like uh, revival of speakeasies, but it's less the fact that it's hard to find, which makes a lot more sense. Like why a speakeasy would be cool. Yeah. Like there's a lot of two, like I wouldn't consider them speakeasies, but like there's two local businesses that I really, really love. 
one that sells Mexican food and one that sells bread and like stuff. And they have more of a speakeasy vibe because like I'm learning through word of mouth and it's like a like it's not like a established business with a storefront. Yeah. And that feels more speakeasy, but I feel like speakeasies now are just like it's what a is gimmick. the coolest? Yeah. What's the coolest way I can get you into a space? Yeah. And then make you pay $30 for cocktails, which I'll do if it's cool enough. Yeah. I mean, and like that's a that's a big thing that I've seen here. Like I went to a really cool I think that you went with me a really cool speakeasy in San Francisco, which was like mm-hmm. you actually had that password and it was all candlelit and all that stuff. Like that was cool vibes. But like the ones that I've been here was just like I walked into a laundromat and pushed on a washing machine and it was just like a pinball bar. I'm yeah. just like, I guess this is cool, but also like I'm in Brooklyn and I kind of expect this kind of like cheesy yeah. corny so yeah and then like you and i saw one on tiktok recently where it's yeah. like a subway where you literally just like open the door to a subway and it looks like it's gonna be like not a subway as in like the yeah, sandwich, the sandwich shop, shop but the actual the, subway, the station. subway station yeah it feels like a subway station and you like open the door and you think it's gonna be some maintenance room and it's like a tiny little lounge and again it's just like it's it's just more of a gimmick it's like speakeasies originally were supposed to be like the secret thing yeah right? you get the yeah. password you go in and that's what makes it feel cool or these are just like I guess I found a cool hole in the wall and I feel cool coming to this, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's not, it's a different vibe for sure. Like you, it needs to be the hole in the wall. Yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it needs to feel like there's enough people that this is cool, but not so many people that like, Oh, it's cool because only I know. About yeah. It. And let's so like a comparison to like, we we're talking about with the ones like in Brooklyn and here, like the one in San Francisco, San Francisco that I've been to, it's called bourbon and branch. So if you're ever there, like hit it up, look it up or whatever. Um, there's like a whole wall that like moves opens up and it's like a whole bookcase a dresser everything's lit by candlelight but it's literally just a white door against a white wall and like in the random part of like downtown and like there no i would have never known it was there there's no signage no nothing and i was like that's exactly the vibe i'm looking for you know i will pay a 13 dollars for this well it's not it was actually a pretty good cocktail yeah it was pretty good (laughs) i was like i'll pay 13 dollars for this cocktail just for this experience you know where if i'm going to go open up a washing machine and walk into a pinball bar i'm like i'm not paying $10 $10 for a fucking PBR. So <laughs> I remember like, I just, I'm reminiscing, like literally looking back, I was so broke when we went to that place. Yeah. Like, I think <laughs> I got one drink and that was it. Like I had like a hundred bucks in my bank. I was, yeah, I was, between I was both my accounts. I was living off of freaking, uh, Berkeley rep stipend, which is only like a couple hundred a month. I was just like, yeah. all right, I guess we're going to go <laughs> have fun in San Francisco. I just remember like, cause I was there for work and it just like lined up. And then I was like, oh my God. Uh, hey, Rupert, can you put all your, can we put all the food and stuff that we're re- getting reimbursed on on your card? Because I can't afford yeah. it. <laughs> which like at the time I was like, I'm fresh out of college. Like this can't be that bad. But like now I'm like, how embarrassing to be like on a professional shoot and then tell someone else like, I can't afford in and out. Can you <laughs> pay for it since we're getting reimbursed? And uh, I've never been on a film shoot where they reimbursed me before. Listen, they got to understand. It's all good. <laughs> um, all right. So the final thing I want to address is fucking Plankton uh, being a snitch. Yeah. I, you know, I, I defend Plankton a lot because I think he's like a decent character or whatever. But this mm-hmm. was the one thing I'm just like, nah, dude, like you're calling the cops, like you're coming them. They literally come in and like every episode the cops are involved with SpongeBob. It's always like some police brutality thing. And that's exactly what happened. They come in and like beat up everything. I'm just like, Plankton, yeah. you piece of shit. Like, yeah, he like, if anyone got hurt, it's all Plankton's fault. Yeah. Like it's Plankton and then the cops. 
But mostly thought, the cops, though. It's mostly the cops. I did think it was kind of weird, though, like the way this episode ended. And it's the only way I've ever seen an episode end before with an actual title card that says the it's end. end. Yeah. I was like, yeah. this is some strange Looney Tunes. Shit. I don't know, understand what's going on. Time for the bubble break. Bubble break. Last yeah. one is season five. Season five bubble break. Uh, so for this bubble break, we're gonna do what we typically do, kind of like at the end of a season, and reminisce a little bit on our experience with this particular season. Um, man, I don't even remember starting the season to be honest. Yeah, this. So <laughs> we've been. Doing, I don't know if it's been, just because of COVID. But I don't know. It's it's weird though. I mean, we've been doing this for five seasons, right? Like almost three years. But I feel like this season specifically, it was kind of a a major blur. And I don't know if yeah. it was because it was a the season we took we went into after a big break, or if it was just like the timing was. I don't know what it was because we can blame it on COVID. But I would feel like season four was more of like the COVID season, right? That was more mm. of like we're in the midst of all this yeah i don't know something about this season just like it's hard to believe it's over i guess so yeah let me tell you how i felt about the season overall um and also just like as particularly this episode i think brought it to light i feel like the season really suffered from not letting jokes land and play out yeah like like we kind of mentioned it in the first act but like Stuff happens so quickly, and there isn't really any moments like where we're at the speakeasy, where we're like, like looking at these like order of conservative tight-lipped like ladies, yeah. right? Um, it doesn't like really land. Even like Plankton when he like leaves, uh, his place, he is like, he's like, oh, what's all the hullabaloo? But literally right before that was like a whole joke about these guys shoving each other. Yeah. And like it, I think in the past, SpongeBob would have just been like a line of people, and he would have pulled up, and he would have been like, "What's all the hub hullabaloo or whatever?" Right? Yeah, I, I, that's what I don't like. That they're wasting time, and we talk, we've talked about it a lot this season. It feels mm-hmm. like it's just a lot of wasted time on gags that aren't needed, and I don't know. And it, it feels lazy, and that's the sad part. Like, because there were some good moments, there's some good content. There's some of these, like, especially this last episode. I thought this last episode was one of the best ones of the season so far. Mm-hmm. But again, it just suffers from these like lazy writing moments where I'm just like, why is this here? There's you can yeah. do better gags with everything and it just feels like joke after joke after joke after joke and not like letting the jokes that you have land or land and breathe and like cuz yeah. like I can tell you this season I had to pause so much more yeah. than I have in the past. Like usually I pause because I'm like that's a really great moment and I want to like really write something down about it. But this time I've been pausing like Okay, what did she say? The secret order of what? Like, well, how did she pronounce it? Like, I have to go back and listen to that again. Like, whereas I feel like in an older episode they would have just like mentioned it a couple times, you know, well, like use the word. And a that's and, times. and that's funny you say that too, because it's like I did deposit a lot too, and I don't know it's and it, but a lot of the times when I pause it and I take notes on something when we're talking about it in the context of the episode, like recording the podcast, it's stuff that I never bring up. Like I have to say, yeah. like three quarters or like maybe a quarter of the notes go unused in what we talk about. Yeah. Because I'm just like, actually this wasn't that good. Like I'm writing down this gag in the moment. Cause I'm like, it's happening, but it's not really important in the context of everything. Yeah. Or maybe it's like my mental capacity just like failing me. Cause I watch TikTok all the time, but it's <laughs> like, 
things don't click. Like I don't feel like they stick. No, as well. it's 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 just they don't. And like honestly, if like I look back at this entire season and what it it does suffer from that and the fact that like I can't tell you a single important thing that really came up. We had a lot yeah. of specials, which is incredible, like crazy. Mm-hmm. But those specials to me ne- didn't stick out at all. Like I guess this the Atlantis one, but even that I'm just like they had a bubble that popped and like the the yeah. Atlantis wasn't that important in that, you know, I didn't really care about it. Yeah, like whereas if I watch like an older episode of SpongeBob, I feel like I watch it and I'm like I can talk along to it even though I haven't seen it in a long time. And like a lot of these newer ones, like I don't feel like if I went back to any of these episodes, I'd be like, Oh yeah, and then she says blankety blankety blank. Yeah. You know? And I, I think when you look at it in the context of other cartoons and stuff, I think mm-hmm. around season five, we're getting like 2007, 2000, like closer to like the end of like the early 2000s. A lot mm-hmm. of the cartoons did feel a little randomer. You know, I feel like yeah. you get those, especially at Cartoon Network, there's a lot more randomness in the cartoons, which worked in the capacity of stuff like Adventure Time or Flapjack or stuff like that, like those other yeah. cartoons. And I think that's what SpongeBob's trying to do here. But it's not working because it's breaking the, it's form- the it's formula. Format. Yeah, yeah. And they're trying to make it work for a new audience, but it just, it really isn't for some reason, you know. Yeah, I I don't know. I always feel like your writing should never like bend to the audience, yeah. right? Which which is different completely when you're working on a network level. Like these writers, one probably are not a hundred percent original writing team, and then two, it's like. You're you're dealing with you know now a money mogul kind of situation, and there's even a joke in the second half, and I really do think a lot of the season is like the writers making fun of themselves and their own show. Oh yeah, and their own situation because like there's literally a joke, and I'll talk about it in Act Two for sure. Like we'll definitely have to talk about it. Yeah. Um, like a lot of self-referential kind of things. Yeah, I mean we talked about it. What was it, a couple episodes ago where it was uh. It was literally just felt like the writing, the writers were just there, just like we could just throw a random episode in here because who the f- cares anymore, right? Yeah. And I, that's exactly it, you know? So, yeah, it's not, again, not a bad season. Like what I find with almost all these SpongeBob stuff, not a bad season. Everything is good. Yeah. It's entertaining, but it doesn't capture, and again, maybe this is our age speaking, it doesn't capture the first three seasons. No. Absolutely it, not. It just it like there's something about the first three seasons that works so well that it just like sticks in your brain and moments stick in your brain. Yeah. And I don't know why these don't do that. And maybe it's my old brain slowly, <laughs> slowly withering away. Um, but I really didn't feel that way. I I really don't. I'm still excited to start, you know, season six and keep this like fucking boat rolling. Yeah. But I do hope it gets like more memorable yeah i guess i agree on the flip side you know i think because it has been kind of less memorable so for like our looking at it in a podcast kind of context for Mm -hmm. me it has made me trying to think more about how this works for the like the greater um picture for spongebob and stuff like that so yeah and like because honestly like i used to get a lot of small lessons in previous seasons and I, i've been averaging like maybe two or three for these episodes so it really has pushed me to be like all right i really need to like think harder about maybe the big lesson at the end of what that's going to be and you know i can't yeah, but i think i mean uh, unfortunately for our podcast i feel like it it suffers like it does. i feel yeah. like we're we're now we're, we're just because it's, straws, well and, you know? and honestly this season to me 
when we're recording it feels like we're reviewing episodes <laughs> instead yeah. of breaking them down all of a sudden, <laughs> right? And, and it's like, that's not what this podcast is. We're not a review ch- yeah. uh, podcast, you know? And so we're it, trying to give you good nuggets. Right. And that's, and there are good, funny moments. There's a lot of very good, funny moments that we've brought attention to in the season. And that's one thing. But again, yeah. the heart of what we do or trying to do is find these lessons, which Again, and this chaotic, random, all over the place writing makes it very hard to find those nuggets. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, like you said, there's like no heart. heart, and it's a little disappointing. Yeah, yeah. but like I said, we when we started this, we we're gonna just fucking truck through, and there <laughs> might be a moment where we're just like, guys, we we can't find a single lesson in this whole thing. Yeah. So instead, um, here's our left lessons in from the day of what we learned today. <laughs> Here's what we learned personally. Um, also, what we like to do since it's the you know the end of the season, I want to encapsulate this moment. So much has happened this year, Josh. Oh, yeah. And I, just such we like haven't a talked weird... about ourselves at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's like a weird nexus that's kind of happening right now that I really want to bring attention to because mainly like whoever listens to the podcast, whatever, in 40 years when our grandkids are like, what is this? Like, I really like 40 years. That's a little bit too too soon. But I don't know. Uh, but what are those things like r- right now? Just so future people can figure out. I'm about to turn 28 literally tomorrow, technically, because it's Thursday, yeah. 25th. Yeah. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, I'll be 28. So, Omar, you're now you're 28. What's it like? Yeah. Probably the exact <laughs> same. But anyways, but like. Josh just got, you know, his first dose of the Pfizer vaccine, right? Yeah, I just got the first dose. And I just turned 28 last, what was it, last last week, two weeks? Yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. <laughs> like, Josh and I just both turned 28. It's Aries season, apparently, at least that's what Twitter tells me. I also got my Pfizer shot yesterday. My an, Another one of my birthdays got canceled in quarantine because of COVID, because I was going to have a nice <laughs> COVID-safe gathering at my home. But of course, I found out that someone at my work has been exposed to COVID. Yeah. So now I can't have anything, not even like friends over to uh, have a beer socially distanced away. So again, it's just I wanted to just put it on record, say it out loud. So that way, if I do listen back to the episode after editing, uh, like, you know, a year from now, I'm going to be like, just how I was about the speakeasy. I'm going to be like, whoa, I adopted a dog this year. I got uh like a new apartment. Like, I, yeah, a new apartment. All this shit happened. You know, Josh lives right down the street. Yeah. It's great. We get to buy tortillas from like a place that makes them handmade and Best get tortillas I've ever food. had. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like to me, even it's, though you know COVID is a hellscape, life is looking pretty good. But saying COVID is a hellscape, it's been a year. Isn't that crazy? We've like been through a year of COVID, you know, and I, I get, and like, again, this bubble break's getting long, but I think that's okay. This is our review. We can go long if we want to. So it's fine. Yeah. But it is insane to me to think that where I was a year ago, thinking that this was all going to be over in two weeks and then thinking about <laughs> like where even mentally where I was in April and May, I'm just like, it's crazy to think of where I'm at now compared to like a year ago, Josh, and what I would have expected and stuff. It's just wild to think of like yeah it, it, like you said it's a nexus like time has no meaning and it's been a year it's crazy but i'm like there hasn't been a lot that happened you went through all this i was in another apartment like by myself that was much smaller before but now i like i moved like i made like 
decent money with the whatever work and stuff like that. And I was all worried about that and like picked up other hobbies and stuff. So it's like it is kind of like I don't know. It, I, I do that is one of the things I really do enjoy about the podcast, other than like I guess hanging out with Omar is fine. But the <laughs> fact that it is kind of like a time capsule of our lives in some way. I mean it's a way to look back and being like, wow, this is wild that we went through all this. Like, I'll be honest, Josh, every now and then I'm like, man, who's listening? Like, whatever. But I really do think, like, you know, I do think our generation in general, at least millennials who just like to make podcasts for no reason, is, like, is this version of, like, the diary of, like, letters to, like, whatever, right? Like, I would never save, like, I barely save birthday cards people give me. Like, those don't have as much value to me. But I've never been like a, an items person. Yeah. But I can tell you, like, if this like keeps on a flash drive for like another 10, 20 years, and then I have kids and they're like, Dad, how is thing like things? Like, if you really want to know how things were, you can just listen, listen to the to podcast. This. Yeah. And like, like, God forbid, like I die or something. Like, people are just gonna listen to it that maybe knew me, or maybe like my great great grandkids have to do some stupid paper on me or something. Uh, like what was it like for your family during the pandemic of 2020? Yeah, and then they'll be like, "Oh, like, oh, your great grandpappy Omar Lopez has something, you know, like <laughs> these that's... old audio logs that he kept. <laughs> yeah, like let me beam them into your brain. Yeah, Omar, <laughs> let me scan the... him on the chip. You know, your Omar Pfizer Junior, shit. Junior, Junior, <laughs> yeah. Junior, 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 the 16th. Yeah, no, it yeah. is, it is, it is kind of wild, but I'm like. Especially as we give like the season and stuff coming together, but like I said, I am very, very, I guess in a way, thankful to have that aspect of it. It's something that I don't really think about, and I think that a lot of people who do podcasts and stuff like this don't really think about it. it. Is kind of like a slice of your life every once in a while, you know. We don't really do these kind of like personal wrap up and reviews, but even the stuff we discuss on the podcast about lessons or crazy shit we come up with a bubble breaks like those still pertain to parts of our life most of the time you know yeah like uh, like there's definitely lessons that are like completely referencing something that has happened yeah. in our life and there's like some subtext there and the fun is like people who listen they're gonna have to figure it out and they either know or they don't know and maybe they're gonna assume that some lessons are part of my life when they're not right it's gonna be nice yeah and i i think that's like the fun of it like even even if these spongebob episodes end up we get in what like a a whisper of a lesson, then I think it'll be worth it in the end. Maybe we'll adapt. We'll figure out a way to make the podcast adapt with it, but yeah. (laughs) Act two and the final act of season five, Stanley S. Squarepants. SpongeBob walks outside to find a package and opens it up to find his cousin Stanley, who has been sent in by his uncle because he couldn't handle anymore. Uh, So Stanley turns out to be kind of like a... Like, you know, they're kind of like the family fuck up. So SpongeBob spends the, <laughs> spends the rest of the episode trying to find Stanley's purpose. Um, eventually, it brings SpongeBob to a breaking point when it affects his jobs too much to the point where, you know, Mr. Krabs almost, like, considers firing SpongeBob. But, you know, Mr. Krabs comes in at the end and makes and finds the perfect place for uh, Stanley to work at the Chum Bucket, where he does, in fact, blow it up. Um, it is cool to see some more SpongeBob family developing. We've seen it in this season before. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into that, I wanted to ask you, Omar, knowing Stanley and seeing Stanley and stuff like that, right? What job would you purposely give Stanley to f- someone over with? 
Oh, to f someone or over? Or just to do it, give him a yeah. <laughs> okay, so I think if I was purposely trying to f someone over, I would send uh, Stanley into the police force. Oh, nice. <laughs> they already f***ed up enough on their That's own. That's an episode that I'd watch. <laughs> it's an episode of think, Cops uh, I'd watch. Yeah, I don't think, uh, hopefully they wouldn't use, he wouldn't abuse his power. He wouldn't f*** up in the time that hurts citizens. I think he would just f*** up everything in the police yeah. uh, force. Um. But what I thought you were gonna ask me is what like job does he deserve? Oh, yeah, that's also because good. Because yeah. I was so mad that this episode did not make him at the end a fucking photographer. Oh, he does take all those pictures. You're right. He takes like You're ten right. pictures. They're that. all really good, and he like has props and shit. I'm like, you should work at a fucking yeah. Sears. <laughs> the JC Pennies. Yeah, like you just show up or do your own photography, doing headshots for you know actors or some. Shit. I was so mad. I was like. You're telling me that's not where this episode's going, and that's that's good. Yeah. I didn't catch that. I'm glad that you said that because the whole time it's like it was like they they paint cousin Stanley in such a two dimensional way, which I think they did the same thing with Flapjack, which is very yeah. much Flapjack is just this bully, blah blah blah. And the same way Stanley is like he's just this family up who can't do anything right, but like that you bringing that up does bring up to the fact like no, they actually didn't. They show that he's very talented in the way that he does can take these cool pictures and stuff like that. Yeah, like, I don't know if it's, like, a focus thing. Like, maybe it's, like, with SpongeBob in, like, boating school. Yeah. Which we didn't see much, a lot of this, uh, this season. This season. No. I just realized. But, uh, but yeah, like, maybe it's, like, a boating school thing where, like, if he, fun like, it doesn't seem like when he focuses, like, it makes a difference. Because he just touches the TV, it breaks. The fucking toilet, it breaks. Like, everything fucking breaks. And the one thing he didn't break was the camera. Yeah. He, like, took pictures, and the pictures were up, and they were, like, nice. And even Mr. Krabs was kind of complimenting yeah. them. Um, but like I do see the benefit of making him a weapon, right? Like, but I I like to think that maybe there's a, a middle ground. Maybe he makes uh maybe he's like a weapon for hire, and they're like, we need you to dismantle this government. Yeah, and he's like, I don't know what that means. But I'll go. And then you you just send him. Just go, just go hang out with this guy, and then boom, like the entire like government of the Atlantis entire... or something is <laughs> gone. Is gone to shit. It's like the entire Republican Party just goes to. Shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> they already are. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see what happens, right? Um, couldn't be worse. Yeah. Knock on wood. Uh, but like, but going into it, so yeah, well, you, good pictures. You did take good pictures. But so, what did you think of him overall? Again, it's not very often that we get, um, you know, family members that are really actually explored for any yeah. of the characters. Really, like, I think the only one we really get is like maybe Pearl, but she's an actual character, and then we get some of. Patrick's parents, but really that's about mm -hmm. it. Um, because even Squidward's like mom is just vaguely ever mentioned. So I'm curious. Yeah, she's just like a floating yeah. flashback kind of situation. So like it's cool to see an actual like family character, you know. I really like Stanley yeah. as SquarePants. Like I feel like he's a little fleshed out more, like you said, with uh Flapjack. Blackjack? Um, Flapjack? Blackjack. What was it? I don't remember anymore. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. See, I'm telling you, like we talked about it. The, Again, uh, that, that was the, the one of the weaker episodes of the season, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, It's it's very much like it. he felt like, oh, I'm going to just beat you up, little man. Like, that was like his little shtick, yeah. right? But like, Stanley actually has like a drive and an ambition to do something. He just doesn't know because he's a literal child. Yeah. Like, that's literally my impression of him. I was like, he's just a child. He doesn't know what he's doing. Well, like, 
and also like how do you destroy a tv by just touching pushing a button like how Some talent. like that's a skill <laughs> yeah. you know but i, I think what it, the difference for me too with between stanley and uh blackjack flapjack whatever his name was is that stanley is like very realistic like he's chaotic it's chaotic in the episode but like i mean you talk to anyone and they everyone has someone in that in their family who's like that who's just like they don't have any purpose they don't know what they're doing they're stuck living with like whoever right and they're just yeah. kind of floating around and they need someone else to kind of help push them sometimes right and because they feel like they're the fuck up right and that, i think that that for me was like it's cool to see that realistic aspect in a cartoon family right something that's not really explored yeah because normally, like, the, the black sheep of the family is, like, lazy, and it's nice to see that he is actively trying to not be that. Yeah. Right? You're just lost. It's easy to yeah. kind of, like, do, like, the episode where, like, Squidward uh, gets fired and then, like, ends up on the streets and then mooches off of A Spongebob, like, SpongeBob yeah. right? Like, it's easier, easier to kind of do that storyline. Um, but with this, he, like, he's genuinely just bad at everything. Yeah. Um, like the way I really cackle, like Fatima and I were laughing when he trips and he like bites Sandy's suit. <laughs> he kills and Sandy. She just like flies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like isn't there like a disease where if you get up too fast, like after scuba diving, it's a pressure like, thing. Yeah, it's yeah, you just pops your little lungs, destroys your yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that I saw when he destroyed the TV is they show like a bunch of random little cartoons, and <laughs> this is the thing that we mentioned in the bubble break. Uh, also is there's one thing that does happen where he's like, you'll never take me alive flatfoot," And it's like a squirrel or something running yeah. away. And then the second thing is like, Oh, there's nothing good on TV. And then he looks, SpongeBob looks directly at the camera and he says nothing. And he breaks the fourth wall. And to me, that's like sums up this entire season. Cause I really do think that the writers are just like this show, yeah. but like in a, like, I don't know if it's in a, I don't know. I, I, if it's supposed to be me. like a funny way, to me, it didn't feel funny, right? It didn't yeah. feel like, oh, it's just like a, a, a whatever joke. It felt like in every time that we've experienced this kind of like writer angst, it yeah. feels very directed towards the show, you know? Yeah. And like, maybe it's just me from like a production background where sometimes you get to a point where you're just like, you know, this. Like, yeah. It's, it is what it is. I'm going to just do it. I'm just going to phone it in. And that's yeah. the vibe yeah. that I got, you know? I really, really think that's the vibe that I got, that it was just like this, like, yeah, it's not a good show, but we're writing it. Right. You know, that's how I felt. And maybe it's just we're looking too much into it, but that's how we felt about it. I don't know. No, but I think that it is a logical way to look at it, especially with the way they set it up. Like, he literally does break the fourth wall, which really doesn't happen that often when you think about it in SpongeBob. It really doesn't come up that much. But him, I don't think there's a lot of times where SpongeBob ever looks directly into no, it's this not it's, proverbial. Camera, it's not the right? office, right, where they do that all the time. But it is very interesting that they chose this moment uh, talking about television, especially cartoons. That's all he was watching was cartoons, right? To say like mm -hmm. nothing's on TV it is very much talking about like the state of you know cartoon networks or like Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon at the time. So, yeah. um, um. One small lesson I had was SpongeBob lifts with his back. Don't lift with your back. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, another thing was don't refer people if you don't think they're going to be a, a good job. Yep, I see. And there's a lot of times uh, you refer people who do do a good job and they, you know, they peter out. You got to just 
kind of got to be careful who you recommend. That's kind of what I said sometimes. And I think it happens a lot. uh, I find it happens a lot more in freelance stuff where I'm Mm -hmm. like, I can't do a job. So I'm going to recommend this person. But then I hear this person did awful and I feel really terrible. Right. I've had, I had one experience where the, uh, the company actually blamed me for the show going so horribly because the person I recommended was underprepared when it wasn't really their fault. I'm just like, this is uncalled for, <laughs> but like, I get it, I guess, because I'm the one who recommended them. This is why it's so bad, but whatever. I see. I can't, I can't fly with that. Cause like, okay. I mean, I can recommend someone to you. I mean, the guy who did it, who's a major and f- run a like tiny theater company. It's one of those people who are like, Oh, I, I own the fucking world and think that yeah. highly of this. And so I'm like, I, but I'm not like, losing, f- but with going with the recommendation, I think you, you run the risk of not vetting. You are, you are, putting the work on someone else. Yeah. And if that person does not value your business as much as you do, then they're going to give you a recommendation that will satisfy them. And yes, sometimes like I especially try to strive for someone who is going to kind of push it. But like my first ever recommendation, horse. I left, uh, I left Delio's my little mom and pop pizza shop. And I was like, you should hire my friend's younger sister. Because my friend also worked there, and I was like, he's really responsible. I'm assuming that she's really responsible, and she's a good person. Apparently, she was a <laughs> worker. And every time I came in, they would be like, Omar, you recon- recommended her, and she sucked. And I was like, I'm sorry. You should have found someone then. <laughs> right. You know? And it's it's hard. But- and it, 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 that's finding, like, recommending people is very hard for jobs, too, you know, and just in general to be like, to because oftentimes you're doing it to replace yourself right and so like if you were a good worker and hopefully that's why they're asking for your recommendation it's hard to find someone else who has oftentimes i find it's hard to have people who have like the same worth ethic that you do or work in the same yeah. systems that you do you're always going to get someone that comes in new and will not compare right away at least to the way that you know i worked or something like that so it's 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 it becomes very tricky you know yeah it's it's always weird. It's a weird spot to be because then the person you recommend might not be a good fit or they're really good, but they leave really quickly because they realize that the spot that you were in is also not good enough for them. Yeah. But it brings it's me to like it, it cascades into another lesson, which SpongeBob falls into when he's at the Krusty Krab and he brings uh, Stanley there. He like takes the blame for all these uh, st- all the stuff that Stanley does. Right. And at mm-hmm. some point you can't do that anymore. And that was a little lesson I got is that you can't, take the fall for someone else's faults like you could be like oh it's just something they had they're having a bad day i'm sorry that they did that right at some point it's just that other person is they are just not good at what they're doing right yeah sometimes people stop caring or they do care or like or they just i don't know it's just not up for the task right and that's the thing with stanley it's like he just wasn't up for the task and like spongebob tried to make it work and stuff like that but for him there's no growth, right? There's no growth for Stanley for him to be like, for SpongeBob to take the fall for him doing all these crappy stuff, right? Speaking of growth, uh, my love for Patrick grew this episode because he talked about the immobile arts. I love that. And- I love the immobile arts. I'm keeping, I'm, I have a small list of shirts and stuff like cool <laughs> ideas. Mobile arts and made it onto that because of that. I loved it. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Like, it really is. When you think about I, it, it really when you ma- think about it, it the, the art it of doing really nothing think, is hard. Yeah. It is very well, hard. the art of doing nothing is what my dog's really bad at. 
Um, but I, it, he really is what I, I now consider a meditative genius. Yes. And like, you know, SpongeBob was joking. He's like, oh, look at his like stupid face. Right. Yeah. But it really is hard to just sit and do nothing. I have been doing that with my dog because there's a whole training thing where it's like your dog needs to learn just how to be chill. And my dog doesn't know how to be chill. She's always running around all over the place, probably because she's a puppy, partly because she's an anxious dog. So like sometimes I sit there with her by myself with no like stimulus music playing yeah. or any stimulus for me or paying attention to my phone. And it's hard because you think a lot of random sh- or you're or you're not focused on certain things. And it's just you especially if you're fidgety. Yeah, it's just well, that's difficult. that's what I noticed about Stanley. And that's what kind of struck me the moment for me. It struck me is that as soon as Stanley was like trying to do the art of nothing, his foot started bouncing up and down. I was like, I do that all the time. And it's like, I think it it. To think about He's got ADHD or some sort of anxiety or something, right? And that's the thing. It's just like when I think about it, it's like I feel like I don't like because of quarantine and stuff. Like you feel like there's a lot of tight days where you don't do anything, but like I'm actually doing something. Like I'm not just sitting there like Patrick, right? It is yeah. an art. It is a very skilled thing to do to be able to just completely do absolutely nothing. And I don't think I'm capable of that. And I think that's where Patrick is a literal genius at the art of doing nothing. Um, so, like, again, we talked about there's not a ton of lessons, but I did, like, this act didn't feel like there's a lot of stuff happening, mm-hmm. especially because it's, again, it's just kind of straightforward. Stanley's a fuck up, but I did a couple of things. <laughs> like, him being a fuck up, though, led into, like, nepotism is a bad thing. You know, I don't think it, yeah. <laughs> we talk about it, but, like, people get a soft spot for their family, and sometimes it's hard to be, like, recommend them for stuff and they are a lot of people in your family aren't qualified to do these kind of jobs and stuff like that right bonus bonus lesson never mix family with money my dad always tells me that all the time it's it's a lot harder to like separate emotion like if your friend owes you money and you're like this owes me 200 bucks they don't they don't pay you back you can cut that person out it's a lot harder to cut a family member out if you're seeing them at the cookout at the end of the week yeah and i think that goes hand in hand to what i was talking about before too with like you can't take the fall for people like that too like with your family it's just like you can't mix it because at the end of the day you still they're still family right you you can take the fall for them or you can yell at them like spongebob did but he still has to Mm -hmm. interact with stanley at the end of the day as his cousin you know um but the uh other lesson i got which is a small one but i feel like it made a huge impact (laughs) it was spongebob's breaking point was when Stanley broke the spatula. And so my lesson is like, always have backup tools. It's something I learned when I like, I, <laughs> the first time I lost my wrench as an electrician, I was like, how do I not have another wrench in my like entire inventory of like tools and stuff? But having backup tools, like super important. You don't think about it, but like having- That's me with my multi-tool right yeah. now. Like I only have one multi-tool and it's the one my dad gave me. And so it's more sentimental than my other multi-tools. Not that it has to be. It's not very special. It's not like engraved or anything, but- I just mentally have that. So now I used to just bring a multi-tool that I could easily like lost. And when I did lose it. And so now I'm like, I can't lose this. Yeah. <laughs> so the backup tool is very, very, very practical lesson. It's time. You've been waiting for it for all 20 episodes. It's Woo! time for the season five. Wombo lesson. Woo! Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, we don't disappoint, but <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like, you know, when I look back at it again, we keep doing reviews and shit, I feel like our Wumble lessons this even season have actually been pretty good. You know, I don't feel like they've yeah. been, I feel like I've talked about it a little bit. 
I have copped out in the past where I'm just like, this is a very straightforward, simple mumble lesson where this season I'm like, I have to find something a little bit more. Yeah. You got to learn. Nuggety. I like, we might have, I don't feel like we've repeated as much. No, I don't think so either. And they have been like more applicable. applicable I'm going to learn how to say that word one day <laughs> uh, to like real life and stuff, you know, especially stuff going on right now. So uh, do you want to take the honors and go first? Uh, I guess I will, just because you offered okay. it. All right. So my Wumbo lesson, um, it's a touch of a stretch, but I, I, I like it, is don't let your purpose get in the way of your happiness. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to end it like this season with that because I feel like it applies to the podcast. I feel like it applies to the episode. But let's talk about the episode. So act one. That woman, Gristlepuss, <laughs> Gretel, Gretel Gristlepuss, too sexual of a name. That's a good D and D name, though. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. We should remember yeah. that next <laughs> next character I have to make. Um, she was part of that order to ruin fun, and it got in the way of her happiness. She did not know how much she needed that in her life, and also her husband needs it in her uh, like his life. That guy was hungry. He just needed a burger, yeah. and I'm sure whatever weird kinky stuff they do in the bedroom benefited 100 um yeah and then the second half it's more the fact that stanley was so obsessed with finding his purpose that got in the way of his happiness i think if he would have not <laughs> there's like that line that spongebob says like you can see me totally fulfilled and it will cheer you up and it's just like he's constantly thinking about that i feel like stanley is yeah and that is going to get in the way of him actually enjoying He's life. comparing someone else's happiness to where he's at in life, you know? Yeah. yeah. And for me, the all-encapsulating thing for us to apply to the podcast is sometimes with this entire time when we do the podcast, we're always like, man, we really got to like hammer it home with all these small lessons and all these big lessons and all this other stuff. And like, I think our bubble break really made this lesson big, this Wumbo lesson like jump out to me in terms of like, you know, in the end, it's Josh and I having fun, yeah. talking, and enjoying SpongeBob as much as we can, and then giving you some small lessons. The small lessons, yes, are the end goal, but we we want to be happy. We want to have some fun. Yeah. Again, and I think having Chat fun up. ends up being one of the most important parts. You know, I think, and again, I think we talked about it a little bit. Having fun is what people respond to. I think the most when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah. So. It's what I'm going to enjoy when I listen back to exactly. these. Exactly. <laughs> Be good. Yeah. So what'd you get? Uh, all right. So I actually struggled a little bit with the uh, Wumbo lesson this week just because there was a lot like with purpose and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but for some reason, I couldn't connect it between like Gristlepuss and Stanley. Um, but mm -hmm. thinking about it, um, I kind of came up with something I think works. And it's that we all have growing up to do no matter what stage of life we're in. Um, nice. Yeah, and I think because Gristlepuss, I saw it a lot with her, and that's where I was struggling with. It. It's like she's so old; like, how is her? She already has a purpose. But I think her growing up was knowing that she needed fun. She needed to explore something outside of that, right? Um, and as soon as she got that burger, she's like, "I have a new take on life and stuff like that." And uh, and then Stanley too. He's like, he's a younger person. He might be a fuck up, but again, like, he's at a different stage of life, and he has growing up to do. And it's interesting to see. Throughout the series, there's such a range of ages of characters, but they all have growing up to do. Mister, Mr. Krabs, SpongeBob, Patrick, Squidward—they all have growing up to do, no matter what age they are. And like, 
I, I think that's something cool about you know the podcast too is like we're two almost two 28 year olds like talking about the kids hey by the time this comes out uh, i will, will be, be 28, actually be 28 right. yeah <laughs> but it's like two like adults right talking about a kid's cartoon where we're still getting things in life that are making you grow and stuff like that right it's like and also still relating it to real life there's a lot right. of lessons that i just throw in here and i'm like these are apply to me it is good to know that you're never too young or never too old to like learn something new or like change in some sort of way right and i think i was really happy with how this episode encapsulated that for us yeah like honestly i really like it because it 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 feels warm and fuzzy yeah and i feel like uh this is a good less like wumbo lesson to end on yeah like both of our lessons were like warm and fuzzy and maybe because we're in a warm and fuzzy mood maybe (laughs) but like it really is like what you you're like growing minute to minute yeah. i feel sometimes and like all those little growths like add up to like what actually happens yeah and i feel like with with covid and all this other nonsense like it's slowly built up and you realize more and more like just little things like that yeah well it's so it's so easy to get caught in the minutiae of every day especially with covid and stuff but we're still growing through all that right we're talking about it yeah. in their review like even though nothing really happened, there was a lot of growth that's happened over this last year because of that. So, yeah. Well, I hope you've grown with us this year or whatever year you're, <laughs> whatever day you're listening to, yeah. I guess. Um, and I want to thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. As always, if you want to send us anything, some suggestions, comments, derogatory remarks so that we can grow some more. Please reach out to us on ismaysapodcast.com or you can email us at ismaysapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and the other social medias. And be sure to share with your friends and enemies. And again, thank you so much for listening to this season. Yeah. Uh, typical stuff. We're probably going to take a short break and then start Jump back, back up with season six. Yes. And- Thank you, Omar, for we're doing this. It's crazy to think this is season five already, but <laughs> I know. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. We're we're killing it. Every year Every we year. get better and better. I hope so. Stronger and stronger. Yeah. <laughs> and now this year we're better than COVID. <laughs> at least I hope. You know, we'll the find one out. thing that we really haven't gotten better at is uh, practicing the art of being or the immobile arts. So you, I think we should give that a test real quick. All right. Ready? Yeah. Oh! <sighs>